the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, new focus on wealth with certified financial planner, Chad Burton. Drawing from his 28-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner, standing in for Rob. Rob and I are going to be together February 15th, so 10 days away in uh, Menlo Park, Seven Steps to Retirement Readiness. So if you want to get together, meet us in person. If you haven't been to an event before, this one's really geared towards, I think I'm around 10 years from retirement or I'm in retirement trying to figure out, do I have enough? Which accounts do I draw from first? What are the health insurance costs? Those types of things. Seven key things that you need to kind of go through before you say, yep, I'm ready to retire. So check it out. Just go to chadburton.com to sign up. Let's uh, recap last week real quick before we get into today. Um, last week, the S P 500 rose 1.4 percent, fresh closing high of 4,958. So we're probably going to have a little momentum uh, to get, you'd think, to that 5,000 number. Market's down a little bit today. S and P 500, as I'm looking at this right now, is down about mm, a little over half a percent. Um, last week, several large companies reported, including Apple, Mastercard, Amazon. Meta posted quarterly financial results above analyst expectations. GM stronger than expected Q4 results last week, despite that United Auto Workers strike and uh, 2024 forecast above earnings estimates. So they were up 11% last week. So in the last week, about 68% of the S&P 500 components, um, so this is the largest 500 companies in America, reported quarterly results above analyst expectations. So what we're seeing so far, and, and I will say, I did mention Apple. Now, Apple is down 3.47% year-to-date. Um, and according to FactSet, if we look at valuations right now, because that's kind of the story of today, is that the Magnificent 7 getting a little bit spendy again. Although I did see, I think, uh, somebody upped the price on NVIDIA, um, Goldman Sachs or another another company like that. Um I mean, look at the S&P 500, as I've mentioned on Rob's show before, it's much more tech-oriented than it has been really ever before. Much more closely aligned to, say, the NASDAQ in terms of the the top companies in it. And so a lot of the technology companies have higher revenue growth and they, therefore higher price-earnings ratio. So according to FactSet, every Friday they put out the earnings insight, which I love to read every Friday. Or 12-month P.E. ratio, that's the price-to-earnings ratio for the S&P 500, is at 20. It's above the five-year average of 18.9 and above the 10-year average of 17.6. And the earnings growth so far 
for those companies that have reported, it's been about 1.6% uh, compared to the same quarter last year. Um, and so the story of today, a lot of things that I've been listening to this morning was was talking about, okay, we had ISM numbers out today above 50%, which shows growth. That was good. Last Friday, we had the report from the Labor Department showing stronger than expected job growth. So it's just looking more and more like this soft landing coming into play here. Um, and so now it's more of the broad participation of other stocks, stocks that are cheaper. A lot of talk about small cap recently in terms of different pundits on uh, Bloomberg and CNBC and things like that. So that's really what we're looking at going forward is, okay, what is not expensive? What's not above the 5 and 10-year average PE ratio? What's been left behind so far? Uh, this week, we we got McDonald's today. They're getting nailed. Caterpillar seeing a large jump today. We've got reporting today, Eli Lilly, Amgen, Walt Disney, Uber, CVS, Philip Morris, ConocoPhillips. It's a, it's a busy week. Um, but these ISM numbers, Institute for Supply Management, above 50, that's growth. It's at 50.6, so better than expected. So that idea of a you know, May rate cut, maybe that's put off even longer. And the 10-year U.S. Treasury, 13 basis point increase, 4.15% on the 10-year U.S. Treasury. I think the two-year is still a little bit higher than that in terms of that idea of you know, inverted yield curve where the two-year treasury is paying a little bit more than the, the uh, 10-year. Um, the 10-year treasury started February at 3.87%. I was just looking at the charts. So still a lot of volatility in the bond market, but gives rise to people to that are that are gearing up, getting closer and closer to retirement. 10 years out, especially five years out, when you really want your portfolio to look like what you want it to look like when you retire, that opportunity to say, hey, I've, I've, I've been successful in large cap growth over all asset classes for about 10 years now. Bonds are you know, closer to where they were back in 2006, finally. That idea of that 60-40 portfolio as you get to retirement looks pretty attractive. So people look at that opportunity when these rates jump up and the market's a little higher. Good time to, um, you know, look at those overall rebalancing strategies to, you know, cut down a little bit of volatility going forward. Now, we're starting to get real news on this office real estate issue in areas like San Francisco, Oakland, Portland, where we know that whole return to work thing is, you know, kind of changed forever. Um, it, it's interesting because when you look at nice office space outside of those urban areas in in suburb areas, like if you look at downtown Portland, not great. But if you look out towards Hillsboro, Tigard, Beaverton, those type of areas in the Silicon Forest, very, very busy. But we are finally seeing what we all know is going to happen, which is office-backed real estate delinquencies are on the rise. Uh, according to TREP, T-R-E-E-P, uh, uh, commercial mortgage-backed securities, office delinquency rates rose by 48 basis points to 6.3% in January. So um, it's continuing to tick up. Uh, and the ex- expectation is to at least somewhere between 8 and 9% in 2025. Now, everybody and their mother knows this, right? And, and so this is something that when you look at REITs in general, there's real estate investment trusts or something, you know, that they're just companies and a lot of them trade on the, the exchanges, just like all the other stocks like Cisco, 
Microsoft and all the other companies that are C corporations, REITs, real estate investment trusts, they're structured a little bit differently. They deal in real estate. They're typically, you know, you can think of them as maybe it's self storage, maybe it's senior living, maybe it's apartment buildings, maybe it's office, which is what everybody wanted to steer clear of, right? Um, and they have to typically pass 90% of their net income to investors to be that REIT and enjoy specific tax breaks. Now, REITs, most of the ones that I, when I look at an ETF, which is a diversified uh, group of real estate investment trust companies all in one investment, like IYR, RWR, VNQ, which is the Vanguard one, all different options. None of these are recommendations or anything like that. Um, down still quite a bit from January first of 2022 and that idea of higher interest rates came into play. Um, recovered a little bit towards the end of 2023, had a nice pop, but down so far about 4% for the year. So you do kind of need to go through this next year realizing these these delinquency issues on commercial back real estate is all these refinances at higher rates have to occur. That's that's known. And that is something that is going to say, okay, how how are the feds going to deal with the idea that Economy's got that soft landing. We're getting numbers better than expected, but we do have this com- commercial real estate refinance issue that's going to be playing out. Um, but it's known. It doesn't seem like a black swan event at this point. Think you're in good shape for retirement? Find out how you're really doing with the seven steps for retirement readiness. Join Rob Black and CFP Chad Burton of EP Wealth Advisors Thursday, February 15th in Menlo Park for a live event. Chad will walk you through these seven steps to find out whether you are really ready for the retirement you want. Rob will provide timely commentary and Chad will share specific strategies for taxes, income, long-term care, safe money, investing, life goals, and more. If you have at least 500000 in investable assets and want to gauge where your retirement stands, pass on your estate, and create tax efficiencies, this event is for you. The 7 Steps for Retirement Readiness, Thursday, February 15th, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Stanford Park Hotel in Menlo Park. Space is limited, so sign up today at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Can you pass all 7 tests? Sign up online today at robblackshow.com. I'm standing in today for Rob. Quite the storm around the Bay Area. It's got some power issues. So we will be together though, February 15th, 10 days from today. And uh, we're going to be talking about the seven steps for retirement readiness. So it is at the Stanford Park Hotel, Menlo Park. Sign up quick because it's filling up really quickly. And uh, we're going to be talking about a couple of issues. So there's there's certain tests that you can run your retirement plan through, right? Um, it's not just one. It's it's a multiple test. There's even a idea of like how am I going to spend retirement in, in order to be happy? Um, for example, personally, I can see myself putting off my retirement, especially since I've got you know a couple kids coming into the business not too long away, where I take more time off or delegate more, but travel more because I spent my 20s. I've been in the business for 30 years. Spent my 20s building a business and, and working a lot and you know having kids at soccer. and all. I didn't do a lot of travel. And I like to do a lot of more travel, but I love what I do and I love my clients. So I can see taking more time off, traveling, more, spending more money on, on memories and things like that with the family and putting retirement off a little bit. But some people just want to be done with their jobs. But if you're really, really busy working 50, 60 hours a week, 
and you don't have a plan for what you're going to do on a daily basis, a routine, healthcare, um, you know, how are you going to take care of yourself? What, what's going to get you out of bed every day? It, sometimes that's more important than the money piece. Um, because you could have a ton of money, but if your health is terrible and you don't really have a plan and you're not very happy, then what's all that money for? So that's an important part of it. But when you look at retirement planning, one of the, the tests that everybody tries to do on their own is the linear cash flow test, right? You have here's how much is in your 401k, your Roth IRA, your, your regular investment accounts. Here's how much I'm funding it. Um, I've got to pick a certain rate of return to say, by the time I'm 65, let's say, how much is this all going to grow to? What's going to be in my savings between my 401k, my Roth, my taxable account, for example? When I say taxable account, that's anything besides a retirement account, right? You open up a brokerage account at Schwab, Fidelity, Vanguard, whatever, and you're putting money in after tax money. And so you have different types of money. You got your cash, you've got your 401k, your Roth, your taxable accounts. What is all that going to be worth by the time I'm 65? What rate of return do I continue to use in terms of a growth rate? And I'll explain on why you really want to use a a return slightly less than 6% just to be safe. Now, do we expect more than that throughout retirement? Yes. But you want to be conservative because you go from working, having enough take-home pay to pay all of your expenses and having enough money left over to fund your 401k and your savings to a point where you're retiring, you're not working anymore. It's hard to get a job and go back to work in your 60s and 70s. So you have limited resources. You have your social security, you might have some real estate, you might have your savings. How long is that going to last? You have to be conservative about that. The other part of that is the expenses. Have you really thought about all of your expenses? What about healthcare costs? I'll go over that a little bit later in the show because there's been a big increase in terms of how much people need to save to pay their health insurance costs in retirement. But what inflation rates do I use? And what what's a normal inflation, let's say 2.5% on normal expenses, but healthcare costs is say 5%. And you've got to use something but and you've got to have this idea that okay, at a conservative rate return, normal rates of inflation, will I have enough money to last till 100 years old? And I've had a minimum of three clients that I can think of off the top of my head that's lasted that long. And you may say, well, you know, my parents didn't live that long. Well, that's fine, but there's a lot of changes between the intersection of high science, healthcare, and technology, and that all coming together. That. Um, you know, could allow you to last a longer period of time. And the other thing that you do is spend money on your health by eating better food, take out processed food, take out sugars, drink less alcohol, those types of things that can help you live longer and happier lives. But how long will it last? Right? How long is that money going to last? And the one thing is that you've got to pass that test, but the plan's going to be wrong. It's never going to stay at a flat rate of return. It's never going to stay at the same rate of spending, for example. You've heard of that term smiley face spending pattern in retirement where you first retire, you're doing all the things you never had time to do. Travel, fix up your house, maybe buy an RV. You know, Your expenses jump in the first part of retirement. You do a lot of things. You get those that bucket list stuff out of the way. You get into your late 70s, early 80s, things slow down a little bit. You're even kind of eating less in some cases um, and going out less. And your expenses tend to drop for a while. And then you get into your 80s and your healthcare costs tend to go up. So it's kind of a smiley face pattern. But you have to model something to just get the idea of, do I have anywhere near enough? 
And then you've got to determine your proper asset allocation. How much do you have in stocks versus bonds at a higher level? Then it's you know large cap, small cap, mid cap, international emerging markets, commodities, real estate, uh, private equity, private credit, all these different asset classes. You've got to have a risk tolerance test. How are you going to react in different and difficult market cycles? Because when we look at the last 50 plus years in the S&P 500, the rate of return has averaged over 10%. But the market tend to be only positive 70 to 74% of the time. So it's how you're going to react in the other, you know, 24 to 30%, 26 to 30% of the time when the market is negative. Because the market will take great care of you over time. But if there's a down market and you are forced to sell because number one, you didn't have enough cash on the sidelines. So you're forced to sell to pay your expenses. Or you're forced to sell because you are panicking and you can't sleep at night. That's when you're going to make financial mistakes that will affect your retirement forever. Just think of those people that sold out in the bottom of 09, that sold out at the bottom of COVID, and they still haven't gotten, you know, gotten their portfolio back in. They're sitting on cash and getting hammered by inflation. Um, or they're just sitting in CDs and things like that, that, yeah, they're pretty decent rate right now. Again, we're finally getting 5% on our FDIC-insured money markets. But inflation has been running pretty high. And as the Fed lowers rates, those rates will come down. What is your plan for your portfolio? You have to have a risk tolerance test to say, okay, what's a 10% decline? What's a 20% decline? That's you know negative 1.0, negative uh, 1.0% sign, negative 2.0% sign. But what is that in real dollars? How will you truly react? Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcase is always packed pass. Or the wait, I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiradopass.com. Seven steps retirement readiness. So we talked a little bit about uh, the risk tolerance test to make sure that your asset allocation is correct. There's kind of a fine line between... I want to invest as conservatively as possible to get the rate of return that I need to retire. But then based on that asset allocation and how that portfolio would have reacted in different situations, like 1999 to 2001, like uh, 2007 to the bottom of the market in 2009, and then how long did it take to recover? What is your true risk tolerance test? How will you react so that you don't make emotional and panicky mistakes that will affect your entire retirement? So typically selling totally out of a portfolio, even if you feel right in the beginning where I sold out and you see the market decline, you feel smart for a little while and then the market recovers and then it, then you're always scared to get back in and then it goes well beyond where you actually sold out or you sell out at the bottom and then never ever get back in and you turn in paper losses into real losses. Those are mistakes that can ruin your retirement. If you're too emotional when it comes to money, that's when you need to delegate, find a fee only certified financial planner that acts as a fiduciary to take over the reins so that you don't make mistakes, so that you have a portfolio that's designed properly for retirement. And so you have enough safe money, which is that's seven uh, of the seven steps. That's, that's number three. Once you have your basic plan in place and knowing how much you need to pull out of your portfolio each year over and above your social security, maybe your rental income, maybe some dividends and interest, whatever, maybe a pension that's coming in. How much do you need to draw on your portfolio on top of that? 
So it's your expenses minus those items that I talked about. And I go through why you need to have three years worth of that off to the side. And luckily, we can earn good rate of return on that now, right? FDIC insured money markets are out there at 5%. You can do uh, T-bills and T-notes, whether it's directly with treasurydirect.gov or inside a Schwab or Fidelity account where you can ladder T-bills and T-notes um, and get you know 4 to 5% in some cases. And sometimes you get a little bit better state tax break if you do it that way. Uh, but there's there's good ways to earn some income on that safe money now too. But what I go through is different scenarios where, hey, the market takes really good care of us over time. But there are periods in time like 2022 when stocks are bond and bonds are down in the same year. So you can still live off of your dividends from your stocks and the interest from your bonds without selling anything after a decline. But you got to have some cash to make up for that so that the portfolio will be allowed to recover like it did in you know from 2007 a 6040 portfolio recovered sometime in 2010 and has you know gone way up since then so the proper amount of safe money the also the next one number 4 is the tax test and which withdrawal strategy is best for you so as you save for retirement um typically what happens when you're younger and you're you're you know, put just enough money in your 401k to get the match where you're trying to pay off your student loans. Then you start to be able to save a little bit more. And then all of a sudden you have kids and then you're paying for college. Then they graduate from college. And then you're really trying to sock money away with catch-up contributions. All the stuff that we talk about. One second. Let's see. Microphone issue here. All right. So... Which withdrawal strategy is best for you? Which accounts do you draw from first? Microphone issue here. You have to go from the situation of while you're working, you're trying to pay as least amount of taxes as possible each and every year. But once you have limited resources, which is your 401k savings, your Roth savings, your taxable account, Social Security You've got to think of your tax planning over a 35-year period. How do I keep my low, my bracket as low as possible? And when our certified financial planner practitioners run a financial plan, we can click on a button and show, based on the typical withdrawal strategy, which is people live off their cash and then they you know, start to sell their lowest earning investments in their taxable accounts first, then they go through the tax, then they wait for a long period of time to tap into those 401ks and IRAs because they're tax deferred, right? You always hear that term, you know, we've heard Susie Orman say it, for example, hold off as long as possible. I don't know if she said that recently, but I remember, you know, that was on TV. I heard her say it, hold off on those IRAs and 401ks as, as long as possible. Um, well, tax laws changed a lot since 2017, especially, and they may not do well because the new age for taking required minimum distributions is age 73. Once you turn 73, you have to start pulling money out of your IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, and those types of retirement accounts. So your tax bracket starts to explode. And we can show that on a graph. Here's retirement. Here's a really low tax situation that you can take advantage of for several years. And But hey, when you turn 73... Or for younger people that eventually goes to age 75, your tax bracket jumps drastically. So there's that key point, date of retirement. Let's say you retire at 62. So from 62 uh, to 65, there's a tax strategy that plays off of what's the best accounts to draw from first, 
but are there some premium tax credits that you can get for your health insurance costs? Then from 65, once you get on Medicare till age 70, uh, when you take Social Security, that's the golden age to be able to do IRA to Roth conversions. Then it changes a little bit once you get Social Security because your taxable income goes up. When you get Social Security, odds are if you live in the Bay Area and you can afford to live in the Bay Area in retirement, 85% of your Social Security is probably taxable. There's a very complicated formula that comes into play, but... But that changes your tax situation as soon as you take Social Security. And then you've got from 70 to 73, you have to start taking your required minimum distributions from your IRAs and 403Bs and 401Ks. And then your tax and taxable income really jumps, really, really jumps. So there is a whole strategy between where do you draw from first to live tax efficiently? Do you do IRA to Roth conversions at a small amount, which I'll talk about in a minute? Um, what's the best track strategy for you? Once you get that all figured out, you can say, okay, I'm going to be drawing X number of dollars out of my taxable account. I'm going to be drawing X number of dollars out of my retirement accounts. So you can tell how much cash that you need in each type of account based on your withdrawal rate and how the rest of your asset allocation looks. So then all of a sudden you have a plan and you have an asset allocation model that you can do. And then you can do what's called a Monte Carlo simulation, Right. Now, this is one of the most misused probably sales tactics lately in the financial planning industry, where I think a lot of advisors are out there doing these things and not really understanding the input or the modeling around it. But the right way to do it, once you have everything really dialed in in terms of your withdrawal strategy and the asset allocation that you're trying to model, and you get your software to assume that you rebalance the same type of portfolio every year, the system can look through the underlying asset classes and how they have performed in the past, the volatility, other measures like that, and say, based on a thousand different randomized order of stock market returns, what is your potential success rate? So it can run a simulation of a thousand different results. And in the event on February 15th, I'll show one result where it could be very successful, but just flipping the order of the stock market returns and changing the order of math, same investment, same long-term average annual rate of return, but the order of the returns was different. One is very successful. One is a disaster. Just on the order of returns. So what is your risk for the order of stock market returns? That is one of the biggest risks in retirement. You have order of market returns, you have healthcare costs, and you have inflation. Those are big ones. And how do you deal with all those? And so you want to get a certain success rate on your Monte Carlo simulation. As long as you have the proper asset allocation, including passing the safe money step, like I mentioned before, you know, as long as you have an 85% rate or, or better on Monte Carlo and that withdrawal strategy ready to go, you're fine. But if you don't have the proper amount of cash and asset allocation, you get an 85% Monte Carlo simulation, you're probably not okay. So that's an additional you know, step that you can take to say, am I ready to go in to my employer and say, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to hang it up? Or am I ready to go in and sell my business or transition it to somebody else if you're a business owner? Um, and how does that all come into play tax-wise? And then you have to say, okay, what's going to happen if I get into my older years and I need long-term care? I need home health care help. I need to go into assisted living facility or full-blown assisted living uh, a full-blown full-time nursing home, which is you know 120 plus in the Bay Area, for example. How are you going to pay for that? I'm going to tell you right now, Medicare doesn't cover it. 
you're either going to self-insure, you're either going to buy some sort of long-term care insurance, either a hybrid life insurance policy that you can use before you die to pay for that. Or you might say, you know what, I'll probably just sell my home and um, use those assets to pay for assisted living. You have to talk about it. You have to model it so that you can talk to your spouse and your kids about what that plan might be. What's going to happen? What's plan A? What's plan B? What does this all look like? Because the long-term care insurance industry is a bit of a disaster. Costs have gone way up, especially for women, because women uh, have a longer period of stay. Well, they're, where they're going to go in for a long period of time. Like my grandmother was in memory care for like either eight to 10 years. My grandfather was in for about six months before he passed. Um, and that just kind of tends to happen. So what is the plan for those healthcare costs, which I'll talk about too, how those have gone up in a minute. And then again, what is the plan for retirement? This is so important to say, I would rather people delay their retirement a year or two so that 10 years prior to retirement, they can focus on their health, their fitness, what they eat um, so that they can enjoy retirement. Because all that money means nothing if you're spending your entire retirement years just going to the doctor. And again, the happiest clients I have are always the ones that say, I don't know how I time to work because I'm so busy now doing the stuff that they love. Hi, this is Chad Burton. If you have questions about retirement and investing, it's time to get some answers. My website, chadburton.com, has a ton of resources. There are downloads to help you determine how long your money will last in retirement, links to our webinars, and several videos discussing everything from retirement planning to tax-efficient investing, estate planning, insurance, and even saving for your kids' college. While you're there, also check out our tax planning and estate planning services and our video explaining our online wealth management tool. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. This invaluable resource is able to show the values and allocations of all your accounts regardless of where they're held. Information is updated each day at the end of market close and these new numbers are fed into the financial projections we've created for our clients with the goal of constant financial clarity. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. Rough storm going through the Bay Area, um, but hopefully get some really good snow in the mountains since it's been a little bit of a rough winter in terms of snow. And uh, that's definitely affecting my balance in life since I'm an avid snowboarder and it's it's been a, the least amount of times on the slopes this year of, of any winter I can remember. Um. And that plays into health, right? You want to have that balance of life. Let's talk about healthcare a little bit because on February 2nd, uh, Jennifer Lee Reed put out a article um, and she stated that typical US couple will need as much as $413,000 to cover their healthcare expenses in retirement if they both have very high prescription drug needs. And that's an 8% increase from a year ago. Rob and I often refer to a fidelity study that gets updated about a you know pool of money for a couple that they would need. So this is one of the highest levels that I've seen. Um, this was the Employee Benefit Research Institute that did this. So I don't know how many you know people they pulled or what they looked at exactly, but the numbers are fairly legit. In other words, they make sense to me um, in updates and what I see in financial plans. Um, because I'm telling you, Medicare... And all the supplemental plans, when you turn 65, you get Medicare Part A for free. Medicare Part B, you pay for. The amount went up to $174.70 a month. And I'm going to talk about in a second how much more you pay if you have a higher income. 
Well, I'll just say that right now. So the average person, you get Medicare Part A for free at 65. B, you pay for $174.70 a month. Now, if your income goes up, so these are single numbers right now and just double it basically if you're married. If your modified adjusted gross income, which includes your tax-free bond income, goes above $103,000, up to $129,000, you pay $244 a month. If you go above $129 to $161, you pay $349 a month and so on and so forth. That's IRMA. It's a surtax. It's, it's if you make too much money or if there's a year where you sell a bunch of stock, for example, two years later, you're going to pay, be paying a lot more for your Medicare Part B and Part D costs. But then people get supplemental insurance. The two most popular ones I see tend to be in the Bay Area Kaiser and then AARP United Healthcare Plan. But it's a bit of a full-time job. We partner with a company called Chapter, where when our clients are about to turn 65, we'll have them fill out a form that has all their doctors, prescription drugs, and everything else. And Chapter will help them go through and say, here's the best supplemental plan for you in the current situation. That's something I used to do when I was younger in the business 30 plus years ago, but I could no longer... It became so complicated and so onerous that I could no longer keep an eye on that. And so it's 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 a lot. Um, now, to go through this um, article by Jennifer Leah Reed about the Employee Benefit Research Institute, uh, she went on to say, to have a 50% chance of meeting healthcare expenses, a 65-year-old man enrolled in a Medicare or a Medigap Part G plan with average premiums would need to have 106,000 saved for healthcare and a woman would need 128,000. So that's kind of the lower end and a 50% chance of meeting healthcare costs. If they'd like a more certain 90% chance of covering these expenses, the same man and woman would need 184,000 and 217,000 respectively. That's 351,000 if they were a couple. That's more in line with the fidelity study that Rob and I have mentioned on the show in the past. Now, there is a significant variations in Medicare Advantage or supplemental plan. 73% of enrollees chose a zero premium plan in 2023 instead of paying more out of pocket, or they chose to pay more out of pocket instead of higher premiums. So the point of this is, is that that 350 holds true, right? But if you are a person going to retirement, you have a higher medical cost issue, a lot more prescription drugs and things like that. Um, to do it. Another reason why well before going into retirement, you need to take a step back and say, I really need to focus on my healthcare costs. Instead of doing a situation where you are going to the doctor to get a pill to fix your problems and not realizing that you're drinking lattes and soda and shoving sugar and processed foods into your body, which is screwing up your gut, it's screwing up your... Uh, you know, insulin resistance and causing the push towards diabetes, which is an epidemic in America caused by the food that we eat and the food that's available to us here. That is that it just ruins retirement. I've seen it over and over. And I saw it starting at a very young age when I was 19, getting into the business with my grandfather and we do these meetings. Um, and it was dominated by talks of doctors and who's going to the doctor and when, and, and, made a very early decision. That's not what I want my retirement to be like. I would rather retire later, but retire healthier. So really focus on that. Um, 
So the idea of what you're planning for, no, we don't do a lump sum plan set aside for retirement. That just, it, it's not how people really think. They don't say separate this investment account over here. And that's the only time I'm going to spend healthcare costs is out of that account. That's not really how it works in real life. So what we do is in the financial planning cash flow projections, we at retirement have a certain amount that we put into the cost for people's healthcare. So we typically say, okay, it's going to be around 175 bucks a month for Medicare Part B. We will increase that based on their income because of IRMA that I mentioned a little bit earlier. We average, we'll use at least 210 per month in the Medigap or supplemental insurance. Now you're going to pay less than that if you're healthy at 65, but you could pay more later on. Then we average around 240 a month per Part D and, and um, other co-pays and prescription drug costs. And you got to realize that you know there's, the whole dental thing is a whole nother issue. But that's around 630 bucks a month per person in retirement that you might not be thinking about or projecting in your plan because you just you might be 55 years old not realizing how Medicare and supplemental insurance and IRMA and how all that works and how it can be much more expensive, especially if you have some high income earning years right before retirement. You're going to pay a lot more for that IRMA, for example. So when you're doing your own financial modeling and you're looking at all of your expenses and you're inflating those at at least 2.5%, you've got to have around 650 bucks a month per person for healthcare costs 65 plus on. That means you got to save money and really focus on, are you ready for retirement? If you want to find out if you are, just go to the event, February 15th, Rob Black and myself, Menlo Park. Check it out. Sign up before it fills up, chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Thanks for listening, and please tell a friend about the show. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.